Hello water lovers, and welcome to episode 5 of Planet Water, a podcast about healthy water, mindful hydration for body and mind, and sustainability, coming to you from Blue Water, a purpose-driven Swedish company. Soon, I'll be talking to Todd McGuire, who heads an amazing American sailing organization called 11th Hour Racing, that's on a mission, like ourselves, to return the planet to health by stopping the oceans being dumping grounds for human waste, from plastics to chemicals. Sailing is Todd's true passion in life, and he's working hard towards a greener, healthier planet to ensure our seas and lakes become pristine again. I'm Dave Noble, Communications Director at Blue Water, and my purpose is to take a deep look at all things water and perhaps inspire all your beautiful minds to do something about helping to make sure we keep it as pure as nature intended. You know, at Blue Water, we care about what goes into our oceans because we care about what goes into our bodies. That's why we've put banishing single-use plastics at the very heart of our business. With ingenious, planet-friendly water purification, dispensing and bottle solutions to generate and serve pure water at home, work and when on the go. As the world celebrates Earth Day, I was reminded how 21 years ago in Monaco, France, South African President Nelson Mandela stood on a stage and said, sport has the power to change the world. A truly amazing individual, Mandela noted that sport also has the power to inspire and the power to unite people in a way that little else does. It speaks to youth, he said, in a language they understand. Because sport can create hope, where once there was only despair. Most sports people, professionals and amateurs alike, sooner or later suffer moments of deep despair, especially when their performance drops off for one reason or another. But most take the despair in their stride and fight right back. The same is true when it comes to the environmental challenges we face at the very moment. Right now, our natural world is suffering from years of human abuse that has led to environmental degradation on a planet-wide scale. We humans are causing life on Earth to vanish. We've directly altered at least 70% of Earth's land, mainly for growing plants and keeping animals. We're behind deforestation, the degradation of land, loss of biodiversity and pollution, and have negatively impacted both land and freshwater ecosystems, triggering poor air quality and undrinkable water. Pollution is so bad that 2.4 billion people do not have access to clean water sources. Nature is suffering too. Researchers estimate there are 5.25 trillion pieces of plastic debris in the ocean, leaching chemicals into the water that threaten all living creatures. Scientists say a quarter of all coral reefs are considered damaged beyond repair, with two-thirds under serious threat. This is deadly serious for both us and the planet as a whole. Coral reefs are home to 25% of aquatic life many of which are responsible for the natural filtration of the ocean and production of necessary nutrients that are vital for life under the sea.
Just a few weeks ago, the prestigious Scientific American magazine announced it would stop using the term climate change in articles about man-made global warming and instead substitute climate emergency. Scientific American senior editor Mark Fischetti wrote in a post that journalism should reflect what science says. The climate emergency is here. In a concerted action, other world-leading publications joined the fray, including the Columbia Journalism Review, The Guardian, Noticias Telemundo, Al Jazeera, Japan's Asahi Shimbun, and Italy's La Repubblica. Their move came as the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration announced that, despite the pandemic, which curtailed travel and economic activity, carbon dioxide and methane levels in the Earth's atmosphere continued to rise, reaching their highest level in the past 3.6 million years. The last time CO2 was at its current levels, global sea levels were 78 feet higher than they are today. Ouch. Sustainability is one of the most pressing challenges of our time across a wide spectrum of social, environmental and economic matters. Major issues such as climate change, economic inequality and social injustice are affecting people around our blue planet, which looks so cool from space, yet is becoming a dustbin. Anyone who follows the news every day cannot avoid that sport is being impacted by climate-related changes in weather patterns across the world, whether it's damage to buildings due to violent storms, coastal erosion and sea level rise, warmer winters and lack of natural snow, or more harmful algae blooms limiting direct contact with outdoor water sports. But it's not just global organisations like the UN who are battling to save our planet. Many companies, like ourselves at Blue Water, have put sustainability at the very core of their business mission. And one great example is 11th Hour Racing in the United States. 11th Hour Racing works specially with the sailing community and maritime industries to advance solutions and practices that protect and restore the health of our ocean. Inspired by and furthering the mission of the Schmidt Family Foundation, 11th Hour Racing embraces sponsorships, grantees and ambassadors who integrate sustainability into their values and operations while educating, innovating and inspiring people with the critical message of ocean stewardship. 11th Hour Racing believes fostering environmentally sustainable practices on and off the water is critical to the restoration of our ocean and its vital resources. As one steers a boat with a gentle steady hand, 11th Hour Racing strives to advance winning environment and performance practices one degree at a time. 11th Hour Racing is deeply involved in sailing and has worked with us at Blue Water with the likes of the 52 Super Series in the Mediterranean and the Volvo Ocean Race where it is the founding partner of the sustainability program. It's been my huge pleasure to get to know and work closely with 11th Hour Racing over the past four years or so. So it was only natural to ask 11th Hour Chief Todd Maguire to come speak to us from their headquarters in Rhode Island to explain more 
about the organisation and its work. Todd, great to have you here. We've often had the opportunity to meet at um, loads of different sporting sailing events around the world at uh, different times. And I think the first one we ever met at was in um, the America's Cup in Bermuda, which is quite a few years ago now. Um, um, now you're still with 11th Hour Racing, and I'm not sure that all of our listeners here will um, know who 11th Hour Racing is. So maybe I could ask you to tell me and them something about who you are as a person and also about 11th Hour Racing. Dave, first, it's uh, it's great to connect with you again. Um, it was 2017 in Bermuda is when we first met. And uh, like you said, a lot of uh, good experiences since. So thanks for inviting me to, uh, to be part of the podcast. I am, uh, so I'm the managing director for 11th Hour Racing. We're a Newport, Rhode Island-based organization. We were started by Wendy Schmidt, Jeremy Potchman and Rob McMillan. So they're the three co-founders for 11th Hour Racing. And they started the organization to use sailing as a platform to help restore the health of our oceans. Uh, and we do this through sponsorships, grants, and through an ambassador program. So tell me, have you, I mean, obviously 11th Hour Racing has is, and is working very much with sustainability in the oceans. I mean, have you personally always worked within the sailing and sustainability sectors? I, I've not, no. So I started with 11th Hour Racing a little over six years ago, so six and a half years ago. Uh, before 11th Hour Racing, I, uh, I, I worked for um, a Fortune 500 company, an IT company, and I uh, was there for 13 years. And, uh, you know, quite honestly, I'd always cared about the environment and, you know, uh, practiced in my, my personal life. Um, but I didn't work um, in the environmental field in the sustainability world. But I have to say, uh, you know, since joining 11th Hour Racing, I've smiled almost every day I've gone on to work. That is absolutely amazing. So that's a, that's something, a positive feedback about working with sustainability, not just to be horrified by uh, how ungreen our world can be at times, thanks to people stuffing stuff into the environment that shouldn't be there. But um, also, because it's very positive that you, you, you have that. What led you to join 11th Hour? Why move from a Fortune 500 company to, you know, a crusading organization like 11th Hour? That's a good question. And I, I have to blame my friend uh, Rob McMillan for that. So as I, I mentioned, Rob is uh, one of the co-founders of, of 11th Hour Racing. He and I have known each other for, gosh, over 30 years now. So we grew up sailing together. He actually was one of my, my coaches when I, was, uh, when I grew up sailing at a local club. He and I have sailed together in regattas, um, you know, for the last, you know, again, 30 years. Um, you know, especially after college, I would continue to, to sail and go race in regattas. And Rob asked me to um, to go sailing with Wendy and, and Jeremy at one of the regattas that they were sailing in. And that was about 10 years ago. So I would take time out of my job and use vacation and go race in regattas and, um, you know, had a great time. And, you know, it ended up being at a regatta about seven years ago where, Eleventh um, Hour Racing, which was started in 2010, um, so this is like three years into the organization. They had announced a sponsorship for uh, an America's Cup team, and we were heading in one day after racing. And I was talking with Rob, Jeremy, and Wendy, 
Uh, and we were just discussing all the things that you could do with the sponsorship. How do you use sport to promote ocean health or, you know, help restore the oceans? And, you know, even how do you manage um, the relationship? And uh, about two weeks later, Jeremy called me up and asked me if I wanted to come work for uh, 11th Hour Racing and, and manage the sponsorship. And I, you know, it was actually one of the most difficult decisions I've had to make from a professional career standpoint. But I, I have to say, once I made the decision, I, I never second guessed it. So, yeah, it's kind of a unique story, but that's how I started with the organization. Well, it's absolutely amazing, Todd, because actually thinking back to when we first met back in 2017, I actually can't think of any time that I've not seen a smile on your face. So it's obviously worked really, really well for you. Um, tell me a little bit about the organization of 11th Hour. Where does it get its money from? How does it function? What does it do? I mean, it's, you know, I, I look upon it as a crusading organization that is, you know, really has a mega focus on direct action and supporting, well, supporting ordinary kids, men, women in ways to help protect the ocean. So can you fill me in a little bit more on what 11th hour is? Yeah, yeah, crusading. I, I like that. I think um, I think crusading might make our communications team cringe a little bit, uh, but uh, I, I think they would say that we're an organization that's not afraid to take risks. Um, so the uh, you know the question for where we get our funding, um, we're part of the Eric and Wendy Schmidt network. Um, so we're very fortunate in uh, having the support from both Eric and Wendy. Um, and, you know, from the, the crusading standpoint, I, you know, again, like I was saying, an organization not afraid to take risks. Um, you know, we look at it with our sponsorships. Uh, I think a good example is um, with the Volvo Ocean Race and in the last edition of the race, you know, the Volvo Ocean Race and Anne Cecile wanted to, and Cecile Turner, who's their head of sustainability, um, she wanted to put these microplastic sensors on the boats. And, you know, through funding from us and funding through the other partners, but especially from Volvo Cars, they were able to get the microplastics sensors on these Volvo Ocean Race boats. So the athletes are actually testing for microplastics as they're racing around the world. So you have these professional athletes being these citizen science scientists, and they're sailing in waters that, you know, nobody else is really going to. Um, so there aren't scientists out there. There's really, you know, no you know, even ships that are going to these places. And they're able to find microplastics in the waters at Point Nemo, which is the furthest point in the ocean from land. So, you know, that just is something that raises awareness to so many people. Um, and it makes them look at, okay, what, what is my plastic footprint? Or, you know, do I need this plastic in my life, right? How can I reduce my plastic footprint? You know, things like that are, are ways that we can take risks and we're supported by our co-founders. I think it's um, absolutely important also <laughs> for me to apologize for putting the crusading word into your mouth because I totally understand that crusaders don't have a very good image, quite rightly. And uh, But um, I, I'm you know, honestly think that in a trying to find a positive slant on it, I mean, the fact that you do go out there and put your money, if you like, where your mouths are, you don't just talk about cleaning up the environment, you act, actually do concrete steps to improve it. And that's what has always been so impressive to me um, about the involvement of 11th Hour Racing in the sailing, you know, arena. 
Dave, yeah. I mean, you know, one of the things we like to think about is um, is to think global but act local. You know, for us, we're, you know, the grant side of our of our work, work we help fund nonprofit organizations that are actually doing the work out there. So, you know, if we're if we're looking at an issue with plastics, we'll find a, a local nonprofit organization that's already doing the work in that community and help raise awareness to the work that they're doing in order to help them be more successful. So, you know, it's it's not necessarily 11th Hour Racing that's doing the work, but, you know, our network of, um, you know, grantees and sponsorships and, again, ambassadors that are that are really doing the work out there. I mean, we're just coming through a huge global pandemic at the moment. And of course, many countries around the world have been terribly hard hit, and especially individuals, human beings, we mustn't forget that. Um, But has this been able to give you uh, some pause for thought? Are there special projects that you've been following and pursuing that you think that, well, actually, they they, you know, are doing pretty good now. So if you can give me a couple of examples of, you know, some of the very concrete, tangible actions that you're taking, that would be really great to hear. Like you said, I mean, the pandemic has, has had um, an effect on so many lives um, in, in so many different ways. I think from our standpoint, what we're seeing with our partners and, you know, with other sporting events, et cetera, you know, one, they they were delayed or canceled, right? So 2020 was a year of of cancellations, delays, and and obviously for for all the right reasons. And you're you're starting to see organizations that are finding ways for the show to continue to go on, right? So the um, the technology is there now to help make their events virtual and to help uh, provide the same or, or close to the same experience virtually as you would in a in-person event so you know from a from a positive standpoint if you, if you can find any positives that came out of this is you're seeing races or sporting events and other events that are pushing themselves to you know make that experience better virtually and i think overall that's going to make the the events themselves better um, you know, people aren't going to necessarily feel like they have to get on a plane to go to a conference or go to a sporting event in order to follow that event. The Vendee Globe is a, is a sailing event that did an excellent job of providing that customer experience and allowing the the fans to follow along as the boats sailed around the world. So, you know, I think you're going to see a lot more of that um, with sporting events and, and conferences, et cetera, going forward. So. Todd, I mean, you are so much a get-up-and-go organization at 11th hour. What would be your advice to organizers of other sailing teams or organizations like yourselves who are or want to be serious about going down a more sustainable pathway? That's a good question, uh, Dave, and, and I think you're you're starting to see more teams, uh, and it's it's not even it's not just in the sailing industry. It's it's throughout sports. Uh, you're starting to see more organizations and sports teams that want to want to be more sustainable, and and you know quite honestly, their their sponsors want them to be more sustainable as well. But I would I would say start with what you're passionate about. You know, if you're passionate about something, then you're going to be that much more effective at communicating around it or, you know, even just setting up the operations of your team because it's something that you really care about. And there's a need for that passion to be out there. So I would start with uh, start with that, start with what you're passionate about, whether it's, you know, boat building or, you know, maybe it's marine protected areas. It could be ocean plastics. And then 
talk with your entire team around it. So it can't just be, you know, one person or one department that's focusing on sustainability. Everybody, whether it's communications, the operations, definitely the 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 C level, right? So the either the owners or, um, but the decision makers of the organization need to uh, also agree, and and it needs to be throughout the organization. So, you know, the most success we've seen with teams um, doing this is uh, is if it is part of the culture of that team, and then. You know the other the other piece I would add too. Actually, I just want to plug our our team a bit because they're developing a uh, a toolbox now, so a sustainability toolbox. So teams, organizations, companies can build their own sustainability policy, their own sustainability plan. But it's uh it's that toolbox that gives you the um, ability to you know start from scratch, right? And and build your sustainability plan, your policy, and you know how to um, how to engage with your suppliers, et cetera, but just make it so that it's uh, throughout your organization. And that you will know, be launched in the next month or so. Oh, well, that's fantastic. I'm certainly going to keep an eye open for that toolboxer. You know, uh, it's going to be a, an absolutely great tool for everybody based on everything that I've seen you've been doing over over the years. Of course, you know, it's been a great honor and pleasure for us at Blue Water to have been um, working with you and engaged with you and at a number of events around the world. What is it that you think that companies like ourselves at Blue Water, how can we work better and more closely and perhaps get even more engaged with organizations like yourself at 11th Hour? I think it's uh, seeing the trend in what's happening with sports, right? And, and with what's happening with, um, with companies, how companies are sponsoring these sporting events that have sustainability programs or, or care about sustainability, whether it's creating educational programs or campaigns around certain things, like maybe it's refusing single-use plastics or um, around climate change. The sporting events can be that place where sponsors like ourselves can connect. And I, I honestly think back to the start of the Volvo Ocean Race last uh, last edition. And I remember the Volvo Ocean Race and, and the, the Cape Town stopover coming up to us and saying, you know, the campaign that we've started around not having single-use plastics, we're not going to be able to do that in Cape Town. And we said, okay, well, let's talk about what solutions there can be to this, right? We just, we weren't going to accept, okay, that there are going to be single-use plastics in Cape Town. And Blue Water was our partner with the uh, Vestas 11th Hour Racing Team. So uh, yourself, Dave, you were there and um, Anders from, from Blue Water was there as well. And we talked, uh, we had a conversation and said, well, what can we do? Can the Blue Water system take non-potable water and provide a solution to the race village in Cape Town so we can continue or so we can not have single-use plastics in the race village? And you said, yeah, we can, we can do this. We can figure it out. And we actually, we went into the Volvo Ocean Race headquarters, which was right there at the stopover. And we sat around with the ocean race, the Volvo Ocean Race. We sat around with yourselves, 11th Hour Racing, and the Cape Town Stopover, and we came up with a plan. And that plan was went from initial idea to solution within three weeks because that's when the stopover was. And we were able to eliminate single-use plastics from that race village and from that event, which I just thought was an amazing connection that we made with Blue Water. And, and it wouldn't have happened unless we had that collaboration, unless we had that sporting event to connect us. So, you know, I think it, it, the sports can be that connector. And we've, we've kind of said that from the beginning is, 
you know, this is sustainability can be that, that thing that connects all of the uh, sponsors, the athletes, the events themselves, because it's that one thing that there's no argument around. There's, there's no competition around sustainability. Everybody can get involved. And, you know, honestly, it takes everybody to, uh, to get involved in order to uh, reach the goals that we need to. Of course, there are some people, and thank you very much, by the way, for saying such nice things about uh, Blue Water and Cape Town. Um, seems such a long time ago uh, when we were having those discussions, yet it all almost feels like yesterday as well. But um, there are people who say, look, hey, guys, look, the, the situation on, on the planet has gotten so bad, there's really nothing we can do. The climate crisis is almost at, at its end stage, and we're all going to pay a terrible price for it. I mean, are you fairly positive yourself that we're not really at that end game uh, scenario yet, um, that there is still hope, there is still concrete stuff that can be done to change the direction in which the world has been moving for the last 20, 30, 40, 50 years? Yeah, I, I actually am. Um, I'm, very, I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic and I, you know, I need to I need to be optimistic. I'm a positive person, I guess, uh, you know, just by nature. You know, having the the conversations with the manufacturers that are out there and, you know, different projects that we're working on, like we're, we're working on a, a life cycle assessment project for the marine industry and just seeing the interest and the demand for a product like this in the industry, companies want to change, um, but they need to understand how to change. So that's, that's, in a way, we see our role being that connector for helping those uh, helping those organizations change, and I guess putting the getting that light bulb to go off and showing um, again showing them how to change. I mean, that's the kind of the idea behind the team's toolbox from a sustainability point of view. As I was mentioning, the life cycle uh, assessment tool that we're building, which will give um, these the the companies the ability to measure what their environmental impact is. And then, you know, once you know what that number is, you can make improvements from there. So I do believe that the interest is there and uh, it's going to take the optimistic people and, you know, the, the passionate people to uh, to really make that uh, difference. That's, I find, very reassuring to hear. I happen to be on the same wavelength as you when it comes to being positive and uh, having a belief in the power of human ingenuity to change things, not only for the bad, but actually also very much to change things for the better. Moving forward, I mean, what are your plans now? What's in the pipeline for you guys at 11th Hour Racing? Yeah, well, I mean, Dave, you said I smile uh, all the time, and uh, I, I I come in second to you, that's for sure. So, you know, I know you definitely are an optimistic person, um, which is, I, I feed off of that from other people as well. You know, for, for us, we're we're working full steam ahead on um, on planning for, for this year. So, um, we have the, the the Ocean Race Europe is uh, is starting in in May, uh, so we're a sponsor of of the Ocean Race, and the science program will be part of the Ocean Race Europe, and our team will also participate in the the Ocean Race Europe. Uh, so we have that sponsorship with the race. We also have uh, an Amoka sixty team that we are are sponsoring, um, and that the team will, like I mentioned, race in the Ocean Race Europe. Then they're going to launch a, a new boat in uh, the end of end of July or early August, uh, where they'll race two boats 
in the Fastnet race, uh, the Azimut race, and then the big event for, for us this year is the TJV, and that, that'll start in November. With the TJV, where they have a, a race village that's there, and they'll have some fan engagement, and you know whatever that will look like in 2021. But we'll actually work, hopefully, work again with Blue Water in the uh, race village at, at the TJV. Uh, and then we're going to have some some fan engagement as well. Uh, one of our team's um, legacy grants. So the, our team provides grants to local nonprofit organizations and one of our team's legacy grants is uh, building a caravan that um, has educational modules around um, ocean health and the environment, local environment in, in France. So they're, we're looking to have that set up within the race village. Uh, and then we also have this, uh, we worked with the MIT Media Lab on developing this laser light interactive display that we're going to work on uh, this summer and uh, with the hope of having that in um uh, in france as well for the for the race village so we affectionately call the lily so uh, lily will be there and uh, with the hope of bringing it to many events uh, in the future well i really hope i get to meet lily sometime it sounds like lily is a very interesting how can i put it persona maybe <laughs> to engage with if i want to learn a bit more about ocean health and uh, the activities of, of you at 11th hour racing to um try to you know recreate a healthier ocean or oceans for us all around the world on a personal level what makes you tick as a human being that's a good question these questions always make you do a little bit of self-reflection don't they <laughs> um yeah I, like i said before i'm a I, i'm a positive person so i need to I need to see those wins, right? So making sure that the work I'm doing is actually having a, a positive impact and, um, you know, doing what we uh, set out to do, whether it was an activation with one of our teams or, you know, working with a local nonprofit organization. So, you know, I feed off of that. I feed off of uh, seeing the, the positive work that our grantees do, um, the, the positive work that the partners have as well. So whether it's, you know, partners in with races or, you know, seeing, um, I guess more sustainable operations or, or implementing new, um, sustainability within their organization. And then, you know, quite honestly, it's working with people at 11th hour racing as well. So we have a lot of highly talented people within this organization that, um, that keep me motivated. So that's what makes me tick. Well, that sounds pretty good to me, actually, Todd, but um, I can't resist ending up on with one question, and I hope you forgive me for asking this, because a lot of the people I speak to in the other podcasts sometimes find this a bit daunting, but my question right now uh, to end the program is that if you had one wish that you knew will come true, what would that wish be? Can I ask for multiple wishes? Uh, so, you've got one wish, I'm afraid. Sorry. One. Okay. All right. Well, one wish is, is you know, I'm not sure that it's going to uh, take care of everything that, that we need. So I guess I was being a bit greedy asking for multiple wishes. Um, <laughs> you know, there's quite a bit we need to uh, to change out there from the health of our oceans and, you know, stop climate change, ensure equality for humanity. I mean, there are a lot of things that you could wish for. Um, 
But I guess if, if I had one wish, it would be for everybody to start with one thing, start with one thing you're passionate about, get involved in your local community. Because I really believe that if you start with that one thing, it's going to make you feel good. It's going to make you feel good to get engaged, to know that you're having a, a positive impact on your local community. You care about it more. I, it, collectively, it, it's going to take all of us to do it. So if everybody can just start with that one thing, then you know, I think the world will be a much better place and, you know, uh, a much better place to live, but also, you know, the health of our planet will be in a much different spot. Well, kudos to you that, Todd, because you managed to get in multiple wishes by embracing almost the entire world and everyone living on our planet in your wish. So uh, I think that was uh, uh, one of the greatest wishes I've ever heard. So fingers crossed that it will indeed come true. I'm afraid I can't guarantee that, but uh, my fingers are crossed that it will happen. Thank you again so much for joining us here on Planet Water. I can't say how much uh, of a pleasure it has been talking to you now and also knowing you all these years. Dave, thank you so much. And uh, thank you for, for all that you're doing and uh, Blue Water's doing as well. Take care now. Happy sailing. Todd McGuire there talking about how 11th Hour Racing is doing all it can to help the ocean and inspire all those that can to take action. There is no more pressing issue in the world today than climate change. The Earth's physical and biological systems are under unprecedented stress and it's clear global leaders need to be even more aggressive on timelines and emission reduction targets. The original 2 degrees Celsius limit on global temperature rise is already recognised to be insufficient. This urgency has been highlighted by the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, the world's foremost collection of climate scientists. A special report on global warming stated that the planet will reach the crucial threshold of 1.5 degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels by as early as 2030, precipitating the risk of extreme drought, wildfires, floods and food shortages for hundreds of millions of people. Climate change is already having a huge influence on sport across the world. The impact of higher temperatures, more frequent floods, extended droughts and rising sea levels are nowadays determining where sport can be played, when it can be played and how it can be played. But there is hope because sport and organisations like 11th Hour Racing are uniquely placed to use their significant powers of inspiration and influence to demonstrate leadership and undertake systematic efforts to promote greater environmental responsibility. So, on that hopeful note, we've reached the end of this Planet Water podcast. I hope all of you out there enjoyed meeting with Todd Maguire, who heads the 11th Hour Racing Team, and hearing his hugely inspirational insights. This has been Planet Water, brought to you by Blue Water. And this is Dave Noble saying, stay safe and properly hydrated. Talk to you soon. If you've enjoyed listening to Planet Water, please help us spread the word by reviewing and rating this podcast. It'll help us keep making great episodes going forward. If you have a comment or a question you'd like answered, email me at planetwater at bluewatergroup.com and I'll get back to you just as quickly as I can. That email again 
is planetwater at bluewatergroup.com. Thanks for listening to Planet Water. Please remember to always talk to a doctor about your hydration needs. We're not doctors and don't provide medical or health-related advice. Please remember as well that the individual opinions expressed here are just opinions and nothing more. Thank you.